Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website, it's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. Reverend Wendy presents a talk that explores and expresses the truths of unity and that there are real-world practical things that we can do to deepen our experience of spirituality and help us in our daily lives. So the spiritual journey, the path, what is it and what isn't it? Is spirituality the same thing as religion? Not to me it isn't. Not to me it isn't. In many, many, many ways, I think religion is a little bit easier to put your arms around and to, to understand in some ways than, than to be spiritual, than the spiritual path. Many who find their way to unity have found their way to unity from some form of what would be called organized religion. And oftentimes when people get here, they say, I don't want organized religion. And we say, we're not very organized. <laughs> in unity and in metaphysics and there's a little bit of truth to a little bit of truth to that if meaning if by meaning organized means a set of specific rituals creeds dogmas and beliefs we really we really aren't that we really are a way of living and a way of being and more and more today i think people are recognizing and embracing this idea of their spirituality as I said earlier, the spiritual journey isn't about getting something that we don't have. It's about remembering something that we've always been. Not getting something we don't have, but about remembering something that we've always been. That we are not just these physical forms, though these physical forms require some time and attention and, and nurturing and so forth, but we're not just these physical forms, we're not just the feelings that we feel, we're not just the thoughts that we think. All of that takes place within the truth of the fullness of what we are, and that is a spiritual being having a human experience. It's a spiritual being having a human experience. And I know you've heard those words before as well. The path isn't a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not a new branch of psychology. It's not a theology. It is a way of experiencing life out of the awareness of who and what we really are. We don't become spiritual. We can't become something that we already are, but we can begin to drop away the, the veil. We can begin to drop away the beliefs or the ignorance that would have us think that we are just this physical experience. We are just what has happened to us and just the goals that we have for ourselves. And so I want to talk about five aspects of the spiritual path, five things for us to keep in mind. And the very first one is this, that the path is not an outward activity, but it's an inward process. It's not an outward activity. It's an inward process. Say that with me. It's not an outward activity. It's an inward process. It's an approach to life that's anchored in and comes through the awareness of what we are eternally, what we are at the very deepest levels. The spiritual path, as Alan Cohen said, is not one of attainment, but one of return, 
returning to the essence of what we have always been. The essence of what we have always been. And that essence is whole. That essence is beautiful. That essence is sacred. That essence is not flawed. It's not in error. It's not a mistake. Some of us have found our way into this teaching out of a tradition that basically held a very different view of what I've just said, correct? That different view being that somehow we are imperfect, that somehow fundamentally at the very core we are flawed. How many of you have ever held a newborn in your arms? Just about every one of us. And in the holding of that newborn in your arms, did you look deeply into their eyes? If you did, and if you were really present in the moment of looking deeply in their eyes, I ask you, how could you ever think that there was anything wrong with that being, right? How could you ever think there was anything wrong with that being? That being is whole and holy. And so the spiritual path The spiritual journey is not an outward activity. It's a recognition. It's an inward process. It's a process of remembering what we really are at the very core, at the very very essence. Secondly, it may begin with study. The spiritual path for many of us begins with study, but it has to culminate in the embodiment of that which we have studied. So it may begin with study, but it has to culminate in the embodiment of it. How many of you would say that at least part of your spiritual journey has included some form of study and learning? Raise your hands. Pretty much every one of us in this room, right? And there was a time, probably, that you didn't know the things that you know right now, but now you know them. Now you know them. You had some sort of educational process, so now you understand. Now you understand that you were born whole, holy, and complete. Now you understand certain fundamentals about spirituality, about spiritual principle, and you can't pretend that you don't know that anymore. And yet it's not enough to just know it, right? Jesus said, blessed are you, know, blessed are you if you know these things, more blessed are you if you do them. More blessed are you if you live consistently from them. Buddha said something similar. To know and not to do is to not know. And so, so much of our journey of remembering is closing the gap between what we know and what we actually live from, what we actually embody. I remember reading an Eastern story some time ago about a young prince in India. His name was Yadhu. And he was studying his primer, his his, um, study book, along with his brothers. And the master came as Yadhu was studying and his brothers were studying. And the other brothers and other students were boasting about how much they had learned from the lessons in the primer. And when the master asked Yadhu, the young prince, what he had learned, Yadhu said, well, I think I've learned the alphabet, and I think I've learned the first sentence. And the headmaster was very frustrated and very angry. 
You mean you've only learned the alphabet and you've only learned like the first sentence? How is that? And Yadahu said, well, maybe I've also learned the second sentence. Well, the headmaster became enraged with this and took out his anger and frustration at Yadahu in a physical way and kind of chastised him and even raised his hand to him. And Yadahu just maintained a sense of peace, just maintained his composure. And the headmaster thought, this is really odd. Here is a young prince who one day could have anything done to me because one day he will be a ruler. And yet he stands there with utmost serenity and composure. And then the headmaster's eyes fell on the first lines in Yadhu's primer. And apparently at, in this time and age when this story took place, Primers in India didn't begin the way, you know, see cat and dog run or see Jane run. They began with lessons about God, lessons about spirit, lessons about character. And the headmaster looked at that first sentence in Yadahu's primer. And that first sentence was this, never lose your temper, have no anger. And the second sentence was, speak the truth. Always speak the truth. And so in that instant, in that instant, the headmaster realized that he had learned that first sentence. Never lose your temper. Maintain peace. Maintain serenity. And he, he dropped his rod, the story goes, and he apologized to Yadhu. And Yadhu said, well... I did kind of feel a little bit of anger and resentment when you were doing what you were doing. And the headmaster knew in that moment that he had also learned the second sentence. Speak the truth. Always speak the truth. What is the story pointing to? The story is pointing to closing that gap between what we know here and what we're actually embodying. And there's no better place to do it than in the toughest places in our life, our personal lives. Do you realize that your life right now, with all the people in it, all the people that you love and adore, including those that you don't, especially including those that you don't, is perfectly set up. It's a perfect divine classroom for your soul. Okay, take that in and shut off the mind that wants to argue with that. But it's a perfect divine classroom for your soul's growth for your soul's expansion, for your soul to remember who and what it really is and to drop all the beliefs and all of the limitations and all the stuff we've picked up from woundedness or from false messaging and leave that behind. Third point about the spiritual journey is this, that the path begins in the heart and not in the brain. The real path is a heart-centered path. The real path is not a brain-centered path. Do you know that the ancient Egyptians realized or believed that truth resided in the heart and not in the brain? Did you know that? And did you know that some of their earliest practices of burial was to remove and discard the brain, but keep the heart? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It tells you something about what they valued. 
where they valued the real essence, the real importance of life to be. That truth, that wisdom resides in the heart. We now know through some evidence from science and some research that there are cells of intelligence, if you will, that reside throughout the body, not just in the brain. That when we say, I just had a hunch, I had a gut feeling, I felt it in my heart, that those aren't just words. There's actually some validity, accuracy to that. The further that we advance on the path, see if this is true for you, the further we advance on the path, the more our consciousness evolves higher and higher, and the more we begin to see the whole within the part. The more we begin to have a synchronistic view in which we see and understand the inner workings of all around us. Not your head if you've had some of this experience. That the more that you deepen into this understanding and live from it, the more the gap closes between the head and the heart or between what you know and what you live from or embody, you actually begin to see things differently. You truly do. You begin to see the interconnectedness of the events of your life, of the people in your life, of the unfolding of your life. And as that perception begins to change, the way you interact with everything in your life changes as well. There does begin to be much more joy as a compass, if you will, or or a feeling of peace as a compass. That it is as if faith becomes our map. That we walk in a different way, and I mean that metaphorically, than we did prior. A fourth important point to to remind ourselves about the path is that unity is a path. It's not the only one. How many of you came out of a religion that said it was the only one? Anybody else? Yeah. And I imagine that some of you are here because you didn't believe that. I didn't believe that either. How could there be just one path? How could there be just one way? Well, the truth is, there isn't just one path. There isn't just one way. There is one God, called by many different names, and I actually believe that the many different paths are all leading to the same place anyway. It's an inner place of awakening. It's an inner place of enlightenment, if you will. Unity's teachings, some of you know this, culturally and philosophically, are grounded in first century Christianity. But we don't stop there because truth didn't reside just in Jesus' understanding and interpretation of truth. Truth, in order for it to be truth, cannot be confined to any one person or any one set of beliefs. And it pops its way through all legitimate paths, all legitimate teachings. Keynote of Unity's teaching, I would say, is that we are a part of God in which the wholeness of God exists. We are a part of God, or spirit, however you want to say that, in which the wholeness of God, the wholeness of of spirit exists. Say that with me. We are a part 
of God in which the wholeness of God exists. When we live from that kind of understanding, we live a very different life. Jesus called this or pointed to this when he was pointing to the kingdom of God and saying that you're not gonna look externally, remember I said it's not an outer path, it's an inward journey, he said you're not gonna look externally and say, oh, there it is, I found it. That it's within you. And he talked about the truth setting us free. Free from what? Free from anything that holds us back. Free from anything that would have us think that we are just this physical form. Free from anything that would keep us hostage to our past, in bondage to the worst mistake we've ever made, in bondage to ignorance, in bondage to form. Free from all of that, from anything that limits us. And then finally, and I've touched upon this already, fifth point I would bring to your attention is that we experience life differently the higher we evolve in consciousness. We experience life differently the higher we evolve in consciousness. I can't tell you how often I hear from people who have found their way in this teaching that after they've been in it a while, after they've learned some of the basic things and started to live within those teachings, that they experience their personal, individual life in a very different way. And that different way is, for them, a more joyful way, a more positive way, a way that feels more whole or more um, happy or content. I imagine that's true for most every one of us in this room, really, if we stop and we think about it. I remember my journey of finding my way into unity and beginning to, to understand some of these concepts or learn some of these concepts for the very first time and how exciting all of that was in the very first understanding and the exploration of those ideas and the practice of those ideas. And then over time, as it becomes deeper and deeper and more and more ingrained in who and what we are at the very soul and, and, and core level, we move through life so differently because we are moving through life through a much higher state of consciousness. We have dropped the ignorance. We have dropped the veil. And things just don't impact us in such a negative way, maybe, or rile us or throw us off center as much as they did in the past. I remember learning something about earthquakes, an analogy here, that an earthquake is a mechanical activity, right? Not one we necessarily want to feel, but most of us in this room, if we've lived in California for any length of time, we have, we have felt them, we have experienced them. It's a mechanical act activity. And everything on its mechanical level vibrates to it, resulting in things falling off shelves and things breaking and bridges collapsing and buildings falling down if it's a strong enough mechanical activity. But the interesting thing about it is that the earthquake doesn't harm the air, right? Because the air is above it. The air is not mechanical or physical in the same way that everything on the land that's being impacted by the earthquake is being impacted. I think there's a little bit of an analogy there, at least to me, 
for what it has felt like to me to continue to grow and evolve in my spiritual understanding and awareness. That the mechanical level of my life, the physical level of my life, the stuff of my life does not shake me to any degree the way it once did. There is truly, you know the phrase, rise above it? There really is the ability to rise above it, not to deny it. That's not the same thing. You can see it, but you're not impacted by it in the same way. Does that make sense? It's a great way to live. Joy is my compass and faith as my map. And so I want to encourage you as you continue to do your deeper and your inner work that you really recognize who and what you are at the very center, at the very core. That you are not this physical form, but you move through it. It's really convenient to have one. I don't know how we would do life in this planet without this thing, but we are not this. We are not this. We are not the things that have happened to us. We are not the things we are striving for and stretching for. We are the space, the spirit, the soul in which all of that is happening. In which all of that is happening. So I encourage you to go a little bit deeper in your own practice. Be willing to sit in meditation asking for guidance of how do you close the gap between what you know and what you embody. And that you remind yourself that being spiritual isn't about trying to get something. It's about recognizing what you already are and have always been. Namaste. Many people enjoy Reverend Wendy's talks and meditations and aren't able to attend the Unity Center in person. If you're part of our extended family from around the world and would like to help support the Unity Center, please go to our website or download our free app, which offers even more ways to connect with the Unity Center. Namaste. Namaste.